Welcome to Hear Tell, a podcast about true stories and how they get told. Narrative nonfiction stories are, are records of humanity told in a humane way. When we compose a narrative, we are attempting to give meaning to or create an understanding of our life's experiences. Narrative storytelling opens the window to understanding unfamiliar perspectives and provides the foundation for compassionate response. Narrative nonfiction stories remind us when we're unsure and afraid that someone has done this before, that we can do it, or at least understand it better. My name is Andre Gallant, and I'm the host of Here Tell. If I hadn't made it yet clear, you should know that on this show, we believe that stories especially true stories, wield incredible power. You'll hear my guests and I use the term narrative nonfiction. It's a type of factual literary storytelling that we believe in. You'll also hear us speak lovingly about the vibrant act of telling stories. It's our chosen art form, and it wields incredible power over our lives. On this show, stories matter. Stories have the ability to change the world. Here Tell is a creative project of the Low Residency MFA and Narrative Nonfiction program housed in the Grady College of Journalism at the University of Georgia. I'm a graduate of the program. I believe it made me the writer I am today. And the guests that I'll be bringing on this show to discuss writing, well, it's safe to say that the MFA plays an outsized role in how they ply their craft. Here's how Hearthale works. On the next episode, and all episodes to come, you're going to hear an original true story told by alumni, current students, professors, or friends of the program. They'll tell the story, then I get to ask questions about how that story came to life. I want to learn from them about the writing process and maybe find out something new about our place in this weird, wild, beautiful world. Between now and the summer, we'll deliver a first season of five episodes, followed by season two soon after. Go ahead and subscribe and find us on social media. We're Here Tell Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. That's H-E-A-R-T-E-L-L. You can also follow the link in our show notes to find our website, and learn more about who we are, what we do, and what our MFA is all about. But before we launch, I asked author Valerie Boyd to join me to talk about what we mean when we talk about narrative nonfiction. Valerie's the author of Wrapped in Rainbows, The Life of Zora Neale Hurston. She's the Charlene Hunter-Galt Distinguished Writer-in-Residence and Associate Professor of Journalism at Grady College. What's more, she's the founder and director of the nonfiction MFA program. She's also one of my favorite people in the world. I wanted her to help me define the term narrative nonfiction and why storytelling matters. We make a big fuss about it, and I want you to know why. I want to ask you specifically about the term narrative nonfiction. What does it mean to you, and how is it different from saying creative nonfiction or long-form journalism or creative writing? Um, when I started this program, I thought a lot about the name for it and decided to go with narrative nonfiction because I felt that that name best described what I envisioned the program seeking to do, which is to bridge the false divide between journalism and literature. And so, um, as you know, narrative nonfiction is what I call factual literature. 
is telling true stories that are well-researched and reported, um, but privileging storytelling. And that's what narrative really means. Narrative is a big word for storytelling. Um, but I chose the word narrative rather than creative nonfiction because I've had some experience with other MFA programs that teach creative nonfiction, and people are divided about what the word creative means. Sometimes creative can mean that you make up stuff that's not true. Sometimes it, it, it takes us a little farther into the creative than I was comfortable going for an MFA program that's based in a school of journalism. Um, our MFA program in narrative nonfiction is the first MFA program in a college of journalism in the country, the first and only so far. Um, and so the, the uh, ethics of journalists needed to be really emphasized. We needed to make sure that we made it clear that there was no um, nothing being made up, there was no fake news, there was nothing like that in the work that we do uh, because of us being based at one of the top schools of journalism in the country. So the word narrative seemed to get at the kind of innovation that we expect writers to do in the program, but not to go so far as using a word like creative, which can mean for some people um, creating characters, creating fictional scenarios, those sorts of things that we don't do in our program, which is, again, based in a school of journalism. Right. But even still, narrative, um, for anyone who follows politics or is involved with marketing, knows that narrative is, a, is, is still isn't an innocent word at times, right? Um, like we frame narratives about what's happening in D.C., uh, we tell stories about brands and the products that they sell us. Why is narrative, in the sense that you define it, um, more or less important within all this noise, within all these uh, actors that are, are you know, having their own way with it? Uh, and, and what power does narrative possess in, in today, today's world? Yeah, I think you're right that the word narrative is not a word that's innocent. And I would say more importantly, is not a word that's unfamiliar because of the way politicians and marketers and other people are using it. It has become a word that we hear more commonly in our world. Um, and it means story. It means uh, creating a story, creating a frame, a way of seeing something. And so in that sense, is is not an innocent word, um, and, and yet I feel that it offers an opportunity to, um, to take that word and redefine what it means, like to take back its meaning uh, from the politicians, and, and also to find our place in the national conversation. I think there, you know, when you hear the word narrative used by politicians and marketers and all of that, they are in a, a sense using it in the same way that we're using it, meaning creating story, mm. meaning um, um, framing the conversation. And so I want us as nonfiction storytellers who are committed to the ethics of journalism 
uh, to have a voice in framing that story, a voice in shaping that narrative. And so in that sense, the word, using that word is also intentional, and it's an opportunity for some of the, you know, the good guys to take the, that word back. Right. So it, on on both sides, for, for good and for less good, perhaps, right. narrative is a powerful tool. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, since we've been a species, storytelling has been the way that we communicate. You know, that's the oldest impulse of the human spirit. You know, tell me a story. And so that's what we mean when we talk about narrative at its most fundamental level. It's an opportunity for us to frame the world in which we live, to understand what's going on in our lives and the life of the world, the life of the universe, through um, ordering events and uh, making meaning. And that's part of what we do when we talk about shaping the narrative. So we're sitting here in January 2020 talking, and if I'm correct, the fourth and fifth graduating classes are currently enrolled in the program. That's right. And, you know, I wonderfully count myself among those that have already graduated. How would you describe the, the type of person, the type of writer who's come through your program? Um, that's a tough question because we've attracted a, a diverse group of writers, which has been wonderful. Um, so our writers have ranged in age, our student writers have ranged in age from 25 to 75. Um, some people come into the program, uh, with 20 years or more of journalism experience and they want to take a step back in the newsroom and really focus on maybe writing the big book, uh, writing the big dream project, the long-form narrative that they've been um, obsessed about for years. I know Mark Shaven is one of the um, um, people whose uh, story is featured. Yeah, you'll be hearing from him tale. in March. Yes, and Mark is an example of a long, long-time journalist, accomplished journalist, who had a book idea that's been gnawing at him for decades. And he came to this program to make that happen, make that happen as a book, and he did. So we have students like that. We also have students who are just a few years out of undergrad who um, are wanting to do more than they're able to do in da daily journalism, and they want to write um, more long form. Um, we have... Uh, Students who've come from other industries, uh, someone wor who works for the CDC or someone who's a judge um, who wants to write about their particular area of expertise, but with accessible, lively language rather than the legalese or the scientific language that they've been trained in. So our students have really ranged in interest and in age and um diverse backgrounds, which has been marvelous. It's just been wonderful to see that kind of diversity in the program. We also get students with geographical diversity, even though we're based here in Georgia. We have had students from as far away as, you know, Washington State and Texas and, um, you know, all over. 
Um, we actually have a couple of international students applying uh, for our next cohort, so I'm excited about that. Given the great range, as you described, of, of writers that have come through that you've worked with, has that impacted in any way the goals of your program and how you think of the program from its original intent? Yeah, I think the great writers that we've been able to attract, um, and you know, I mentioned that a lot of them are are come in with a lot of journalism experience. They're mid career journalists, and so they come in with already a deep grounding in the ethics and tools of the journalist, and need to be you know challenged to make their writing more literary, to to have more fun, to be more innovative. Um, I think having students like that, as well as students who come in with very little journalism experience, but expertise in another area and who maybe need to be trained in that kind of journalism um, basics, I think those sorts of differences, those sorts of diversities in the students have really helped us to envision a program that really is an individualized program so that we can meet each student where they are and help them to go the next steps on their path. So the way the program works as a low residency program, we have uh, we start each semester with a week-long residency where we're all in class in this sort of immersive uh, environment. It's like an intense writer's conference, really. And then at the end of that week of immersion, students go back to their home communities and they write and they send a packet of their writing to their writing mentors and get uh, rigorous written feedback on their work as well as a conversation following each um, submission of work um, to really help them think through the challenges and the triumphs of their writing and what, where they need to go next. So a lot of the instruction takes place in that individualized way where the writing mentors, the faculty members, are really serving as writing coaches and editors for these students. So I would say the level of students we've been able to, to attract has helped us to really fine-tune this individualized approach. I also would say that the level of students we've been able to attract has just helped us all to up our game. It's helped uh, the teachers in the program, who are all active writers ourselves, it's helped us to um, rededicate ourselves to our own writing and to refresh our enthusiasm for our writing. Uh, it's been downright inspirational to me and to the other faculty mentors. We talk about this. I mean, it's been inspiring for our own careers as writers because we see how inspired our students are and how dedicated they are and how committed they are. So it forces us to up our game, which has been delightful. So you and I both teach undergraduate journalism. And one of the things that I try to excite, you know, young journalists in the craft is that um, by doing this work, you get to be both student and teacher. You know, you get to be you play this role for the community of constantly learning and constantly telling. And if I was to start to think about a corollary for narrative work, for you know, embedded reporting, uh, deep literary storytelling that's true, that 
I think that the change that I find in myself is that you get a deeper emotional understanding that you wouldn't get maybe from you know a feature story or a news article. And I find that every time I apply you know, the narrative trade that we'll, we talk about in depth in this podcast, that I learn something about humanity, right? It changes me at the emotional DNA level. And it's something I am constantly asking my peers about. So that is a long-winded way to ask, how has narrative changed you personally? I think you've captured it. I think um, getting to some emotional truth um, about ourselves as individuals, but also about ourselves as human beings more collectively, I think that's the greatest gift of narrative. And I think when I spend, I mean, as you know, I spend years working on a particular project. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could just do quicker stuff. But I choose these long-form projects that take years of research, years of immersion in a particular subject matter or in a particular life. And what I learned from those years of study is um, I learn more about who I am and I learn more about who the person I'm researching or writing about is, but mostly I learn about who we are as human beings and the choices that we have to make and the issues that confront us, no matter how they show up in the specifics of our lives, they are still, they're common in their, uh, in what they, they require of us facing our humanity, our mortality, our own, um, you know, um, our own weaknesses and strengths. Um, yeah, so I learned more about us as human beings. Thanks again to Valerie Boyd for her gracious words. Thanks to you for listening along. This episode featured music by Pictures of the Floating World and Big Mean Sound Machine. Here Tell will be back soon with our first true story.